ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at the Circa Resort and Casino. Here now are the Killer Bees, Jeremy Branham and Paul Gallant. Oh, what up, H Town? Hey, how we doing? That was horrendous. <laughs> no, it was better. <laughs> that was really bad, and your uh, your cue was even worse. Like you were talking over Spins. Give Spins a little runway. Spencer needs to get to the epic point. We Spence got needs all the blocking he can get. No, no, no. Listen, Spencer, he's got his apple. He's got his roadmap. But I am the smoke <laughs> through the keyhole, and I, I wanted to, to do a dolgasm on the air. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think you did it well. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. We'll I just try it don't again think you did tomorrow. it well. We get up tomorrow, <laughs> slightly more hungover, more used to Vegas, Paul. He's going to get it right the second time. They said there's an open bar tonight. Yeah, let's go. That's dangerous. Well, we'll see for if I some show of us. up tomorrow then. <laughs> Ball Galan in for Joel Blank. I am Jeremy Branham. We are broadcasting live from the Circa in Las Vegas. I mean, they, they rolled out the red carpet for us. We they flew did. in. They picked us up in a limo. I was telling you guys, first time I've ever been in a limo because I'm not bougie. I'm not bougie. I don't ride around in limos. Uh, the, the hotel room's really nice. I think all of our rooms are overlooking Stadium Swim with the giant televisions outside that are on sports and certain local baseball team that's getting pounded right now. It also kind of like is close enough to see the strip. This is mm-hmm. a great spot. Best sports book in Vegas, too. A three-floor television sports book that they have inside here i have been here jeremy an alarming amount of times (laughs) since 2021 i think that this is my seventh time here every time i go to vegas i make sure to stop here regardless of whether or not i'm staying for just a little bit i'm not gonna lie though you know we got here early we had the vip treatment it's been awesome thus far i took a Took a little nap, little cat nap. Yeah. Woke up. Soft or not there on that one, Joe. Soft. Taking a 45-minute nap in Vegas. Soft or not. Oh, listen, guys, <laughs> we're high energy. You want me to have energy, huh? Here's the thing, Paul. You're the only one here without a kid, and you're the one Facts. that took the nap. Uh, well, that sounds like a YouTube problem. <laughs> I slept on the plane. Oh, okay. I, I tried. I can't sleep on the planes. I tried. I can never sleep on the plane. I slept until we started bouncing. So you got a good you got a good amount of sleep then. Yeah, like that came hour, late in the flight. Like hour forty five. Was think? that tropical storm bounce? <laughs> I don't know. But it was, was that not West fun. Coast tropical storm bounce? Well, I don't know. Playing? See, this is you guys are, are being soft, thinking like that was a bad bounce. Like, I would uh, say it was a bad bounce. I mean, I've been on planes struck by lightning before, so like <laughs> let's let's uh, let's keep it let's keep it down a bit. But uh, speaking of bringing it down, Jeremy, yeah, I get up from the nap and I look over this beautiful yeah. stadium swim and I see the Astros are down eleven to nothing. Yeah, not a a great start for uh, the Astros and J.P. France. We'll get into that game whenever it it is over, but we're not going to ignore that it literally does exist. And I imagine that's why you're all listening to us and not listening to the Astros game because they're getting pounded right now. What what makes that one, the current game that's going on, like a bigger deal, though, Paul, is the fact that you lost yesterday. Like, 11-0 laughers happen in baseball. Sorry. Over the course of 162 games, you're going to get blown out a handful of times. You're going to have a pitcher that comes to the ballpark that gets lit up. It happens. It's baseball. It's 162 games. Every starting pitcher in the history of baseball has outings where they get hammered, lit up like J.P. France did today. But what makes it worse is that you lost yesterday. You win yesterday's game however you do it, whether you walk it off in the ninth, whether you get a big hit in the tenth inning. However you get it done, if you would have won yesterday and you lose 11 nothing today, you still have three of four from the Boston Red Sox. You're still feeling good. Right, and instead, here we are. And, man, I can't help, Jeremy, but look at Kendall Graveman and wonder 
why the Astros traded for a guy who was a good reliever for them the last time he was here. We all know just how quickly things can change for bullpen arms. (laughs) (coughs) Rafael Montero. So you have a guy in Graveman who, in his first 11 appearances back here in Houston, he has only had two clean sheets. I'm talking no hits. I'm talking no walks. And then it's losing like that to a middle-of-the-road Boston team that is at the very least in playoff contention makes you wonder about the strength of this team in last year's postseason. This guy was brought in to be a bolster, and now, much like last year with Will Smith, it doesn't seem like you're getting that from the guy you traded for. Grayman's been pretty mediocre. Uh, I'm not going to push back a whole lot on that. I I felt the home run that he gave up was really good hitting. Like, I mean, that pitch that he threw was 98 sink, like low and in. That wasn't a terrible pitch, but Duvall just bailed out. He guessed that that was coming because it was the third time in a row that Grayman went with that sinker low and in. And Mm -hmm. look, he he bailed out. He went all in on a a low and in sinker that 98 and drove it out of the ballpark because he's got some pop. I didn't think it was a bad pitch per se, but I agree with you on the like the the aggregate, the overall. Right. Kendall Grayman, like if you whenever you trade Corey Lee for Kendall Grayman, and I understand that Lee is blocked if you anticipate Yiner Diaz being the catcher of the future for this team. But whenever you're trading a player to the caliber of Corey Lee for a middle reliever that, yes, he has club control next year, you expect him to be a top four reliever for you. And I'm not sure that he is right now. Like, Dusty sometimes has favored Rafael Montero over Kendall Graveman. <laughs> That's not a good sign. Yeah, with thus far from Graveman, too, it's, it's also a, refle- a reflection of what he was in Chicago, which his statistics weren't great. And I'm not going to act like I'm watching the Chicago White Sox and, like, <laughs> I can tell you what Kendall Graveman was doing. But this is not the Seattle Mariners edition of Kendall Graveman where the entire Mariners clubhouse, I remember this because I covered it, was crying over trading oh, Kendall yeah. Graveman That's to right, the Astros. That's right, you were there whenever that happened. Yeah, I, I remember. Graveman was crying too. I, I had to, I, yes, he was upset about it too. I, I remember like trying to baseball explain to like this city that doesn't understand how like teams win because <laughs> that is like the worst baseball team in history. And, you know, we have my fun with my uh, baseball whoredom and jumping from team to team, but <laughs> explaining them how baseball works, like sometimes you trade good players for the future. Mm-hmm. And um, Graveman was a lot better then. And, yeah, last night I, I think he's the main culprit. But, of course, you also you had a lead. I mean, <laughs> we're not talking about the tie game unless you blow a lead. Right. Yeah, the, the frustrating game. And that's what makes today's blow. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm more upset about yesterday's game than whatever's happening right now at Minute Maid Park. Because there's different ways you could have won that game. Duvall hitting a three-run homer stinks. You know, you mm-hmm. could have walked it off in the ninth. Dusty's getting some criticism for his managing in the tenth. Uh, the, the two things that stick out to, like, the, the conversation that I've seen, the, the controversy, if you will, the questionable decisions for Dusty, the first one was, was pulling Ryan Presley. He pulled Ryan Presley. Yeah, after, what was it, 10 pitches? I think it was, like, somewhere around there. I think it was, like, 12-13 okay. for, uh, for Ryan Presley. But he pulled him going into the tenth inning. Frankly, I don't mind. Like, Ryan Presley's a, like, he, he is a high-leverage guy. He's a closer. He's not used to, you know, having the up-downs and pitching more than an inning. He does it occasionally, does it in the playoffs. I don't think I can ever blame a manager for making sure Ryan Presley only goes one. I, I don't think that was a fair criticism of Dusty pitching Graveman and taking Ryan I, Presley out of the tent. I'm actually with you there. Graveman's not supposed to bleep up, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's supposed to do his job. This isn't... Stanek or Montero, the guys that you're bringing in at the end because you don't have that much faith in them. Like Dusty Baker has shown that he doesn't have that much faith in them. This is a guy that you, again, brought in at the trade deadline to help you out. Do your job. I understand the Dusty frustrations, the constant Dusty complaining 
Jeremy, but I, I just don't have the energy to do it all the time. Oh, and I'm with you there. I'm with you. Well, I, I get it in a lot of other categories. Yeah. I just think it's fun to see how worked up people get about it. But specifically in that point, I agree with you. I mean, Presley in the postseason matters than Presley in August. I'm with you on that one. And the other decision that we can talk about in the greater detail a little bit later, just scratch the surface on it here a little bit, this is one where I am critical of Dusty Baker. I don't understand pinch-hitting Mauricio Dubon for Jake Myers and then using Corey Jolks in the pitcher spot of the ninth. He, he like, loves Jolks. I, I, if I'm using Myers-Dubon as opposed to Dubon-Jolks. But, hey, Astros lose the ball game, and it looks like they're going to lose another game today as they're in this race in the American League West. As we told you, we're at Circa Las, uh, Circa Las Vegas in the Ultimate Contest Weekend. Two major contests going on today at Circa this weekend, really all the way up until the NFL season begins. The Circa Million and the Circa Survivor. The Circa Million Football Contest, $6 million in total prizes. Winners taking home a million bucks, five teams against the spread weekly. And then, of course, the Circa Survivor with $8 million of up top we know how survivor pools work and we're being joined now by mike palm here at circa the vice president of operations for the d golden gate and circa mike thanks so much for for having us out this is awesome we flew in today got the limo treatment beautiful beautiful hotel sportsbooks amazing stadium swim is great thanks for having us what's wrong with framber framber is uh, the no hitters is his only quality start out of I four i think he's really upset that he didn't start the all-star game and he's a little bit of a mental case is he really yeah, it's more than a little yeah. bit he works is he the, really he, he's i was very, loving i was loving at the all-star break my 25 to 1 cy young ticket on that was a that. really nice ticket it I'm was sorry for a minute up in your for face. a minute <laughs> for a minute think about this mike in, in the last couple of appearances that he's made against good teams that are in the AL West, he's given up a home run, and he's hit the very next batter, yeah. and we're supposed to believe that he wasn't essentially assaulting these guys. <laughs> assaulting? It's assault! It's a 100-mile-per-hour baseball. He, there's something about him, and there's been articles written about this as well, oh where he has a tough time composing himself, and it really seems to be a major problem this year, where last year it wasn't, where he had that consecutive start streak. And I, I remember talking with you last year 20, about 26 consecutive quality starts, which is a bullshit, I'm sorry, honey, <laughs> statistic. If you're going to give up three runs, you need to go seven. I don't like this six and three. It's, I don't think soft. that's quality. It's, it's kind soft. Of, it speaks it's to where we are in society, doesn't it? Like, these quality starts is kind of a 2023 stat. Hey, you know, yeah. kind of a participation medal. You, and then they have it as, like, one of the ten categories. Thing. Who's leading the league in quality? Here's the – I agree with you. I agree with you. Like, yeah. six innings three runs, yeah. like whatever. That, that's not no. that difficult of accomplishment. Yeah. But what I tell people all the time is I'd rather my starter have a quality start than not. Absolutely, because at least you get six out of them. At least a lot of these guys can't get through five. You make a first no. five bet and you're in the bullpen hanging on <laughs> hanging on like this. If Shohei doesn't play another inning, can Kyle Tucker win the MVP? I don't think so. No, I don't think what so What do you either. think? I don't, I, I don't think so. I think so. Shohei's I think done over. enough. I think it's over. I think he's done enough, which is – Kind of an interesting debate, right? Because you're talking about, well, what does the MVP really mean? Because Shohei Otani very clearly is the best player in baseball. Yeah, I argued against it when he won it because I said, what's the difference between a fourth and a third place team? It's zero. It's the old quote. It's zero. Was it Duke Snyder? We we lost 100 games with him. We can lose 100 games without him. So, like, how valuable is a player on a team that's sub-500? Change it to most outstanding player and you have no argument, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. (laughs) Exactly. Because, yeah, the Angels, how many times have they won the MVP, too? It seems like it's every effing year. They're always in fourth place. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Ghost Runners. Three things you won't see in the playoffs again this year. <laughs> oh, Ghost runners. Ghost don't get me started. Oh, I hate the Manford Man rule. 
I cannot First stand of all, the it. guy doesn't even like baseball, and you just re-signed him for another five years as commissioner. Mike, Get out of here. Mike Bongiorni <laughs> is now VP of operations for the, the circuit Golden Gate D. You, you, might be bra- you might be settling an argument here, actually. You might be settling a bet here, no, Mike, and not. you don't even know it. No, you're not. Do you like the man for man or not? I hate him. There we go. Clown. Oh, I need to know. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to Bud Selig. (laughs) (laughs) Rob Manfred. You're right. He is. You're right. That is actually a great point. I've had that conversation before. Like, wow. Like, we've actually forgotten. But at the same time, I mean, Bud had a labor. Like, Bud lost to labor. I mean, come on. You're a suit and you lose to labor. You you have a strike on your hands. Terrible job by you. I would go, though. It's it's unfair to Bud Selig as a small market owner to be the commissioner. That's that's putting him in a very tough spot. How did he get himself into the Hall of Fame? What a joke. And like, oh, I just totally overlooked steroids until I cared about steroids, even though steroids saved baseball. No big deal. How's Harold Baines? How's how's John Lynch? There's a lot of questions to be asked about (laughs) Halls of Fame. But anyhow, nice to have you guys here. Yeah, it's great to be here. I love coming to Vegas. This place is awesome, too. It's the best sports book I've, I've ever seen in my life. I think it's the best sports book in the world. Um, tell us about the contests that are going on right now, the Circa Million, the Circa Survivor. How's yeah. been the uh, – what's the turnout been? I went to the sports book today and might have played an Astros ticket that I'm not too happy about. Yeah. And there was there were several dozen people there lining up to get into these contests. I, um, you know, I lose that game, too, today. So I, don't, I, I bet uh, first five under. So I got killed there. I mean, a homer to start the game off. Um, bigger and better this year. The guarantees went up. Uh, I'll give you up to the minute. I know they're they're posting them every hour here. But I, I think we have no problem getting to the 8,000 people in Survivor. I think we'll blow through 10, actually. 11 wow. might be in play. It'll be a photo finish on the, on millions, whether we get to the 6,000 or not. Um, they're two very different contests. That's what I stress to people. They're, they're two circuit contests, but very different. you got to pick five games against the spread. But... There's 125 ways to win, right? You split the quarters, top five in the quarters, 100 people, booby price, all that. Survivor's just a lot of fun. I mean, it seems simple. It's Survivor. not. The beauty of Survivor is when you lose and you get knocked out, it's a bad beat because you had a big favorite. They had three turnovers. Something kooky happened. They played their worst game of the year, and you just want to get in next year, and th- next year you're going to have more entries to protect yourself better. Could you? I mean, s- that's the beauty of this contest. Could you see yourself picking the Houston Texans one of the first 17 weeks of the season in this Survivor Challenge? Could you see yourself in a world where you actually pick them, or is that not until next year? Um, I don't know. It's too, too. I mean, I don't know what they'll be in week eight or yeah. week nine. It, it's hard to say. You know, you have an idea of a team, and then you sort of, like week five and six, really establish that. And the key to Survivor is finding two or three teams to bet against each week, since you can only use a team <laughs> once. If we did this where you had to pick the loser and you could only use a team once, nobody could get through the season right. if you could only use one team. Uh, we're at 42.83 right now in the Survivor and 24.70 in the millions, uh, up to the minute. So... So if you blow past if you blow past the guarantee in the survivor, that that's going to up the eight million. It just up, it just ups the, the the pool, that's all. And if if you go by the guarantee, in the millions, if we do, it'll be by this much. Not really relevant, but half of it goes to the quarterly winners, and half of it goes split evenly from first to a hundred for the season long, season long prizes. So it's you know you just got to come here once to register, find your proxy. It's a very seamless process, and then. For a thousand bucks, you get what eighteen weeks worth of action yeah. at home. In the millions, at least you do. Survivor could be one week. <laughs> yeah, you could be one and done. <laughs> Mike Palm is our guest, uh, joining us here at Circa. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Palm Circa, VP of Operations, not only for the Circa but for the D and Golden Gate as well. You, you kind of got into some of the strategy of Survivor a little bit. That you know you're, you're beating up on the the bad teams around the NFL. So instead of maybe picking the Texans once this year, maybe you're picking on 
the Texans throughout I mean, the entire season. Let's take week one. Yeah. I think, sneakily, the Commanders will be the number one pick team in week one. Because when are you ever going to use them again? You're yeah. at home to the Cardinals. You're supposed to get the Snyder lift. That stadium will be rocking. He's gone. <laughs> They'll actually come out with their fans, right, with the lift of him against a team you're supposed to pummel. That will be the biggest home field advantage they've had since he's been the owner of that team. They're supposed to win that game, right? And then look at the schedule. The next 12 weeks, it's impossible to find a spot to use them. So that's kind of how you have to look at it. That'd be amazing if you get a heavy, you know, a big majority of the pool going with the Washington Commanders in week one. But it's possible like if your you're strategy. thinking about okay, it. Absolutely. You know, if, you're thinking about if you're looking to win it, right? If you're looking, if you're to, looking win to win it, it, then that's that's a play. It's a smart play. I wonder who ends up quarterback because we're very familiar with both the possibilities oh, for the right. Cardinals. That's the one quarterback yeah. competition that hasn't been decided because in Houston we know it's going to be Stroud. It's going to yeah. be either uh, Clayton Toon or it's going <laughs> to be Colt McCoy who is still <laughs> in the league, which is incredible. Yeah. I, journeyman. I, journeyman backup, Colt McCoy. Yeah. Colt he's made Ma- a lot of money, though. He's, he's made a lot. He's and, made and a lot of money. He's been a good backup. He's, he's given his team's chances to win when he's yeah. been backed up, right? He has. Uh, I mean, he has. He keeps them in the game, and he doesn't usually beat himself. So He owns the Seattle Seahawks. He's 3-0. Yeah, they went up. He's <laughs> a backup against them. He's gone up against them a couple of times and won. Yeah, Colt McCoy. It's hard to believe he's still in the league. One, yeah. of, one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. He's, I mean, you know, Pell's in comparison to, to my guy, Case Keenum. But uh, one of the things that amazes me here about uh, these two contests, Mike, and the Circa Million and the Circa Survivors, you don't have rake. What are you guys doing? How are you guys making any money here? Uh, we don't. We lose a lot of money because think of all we're marketing. We're paying you guys. We've got <laughs> limos bringing you here. I'd like we to got, think we're making you money, we Mike. Got, we got, I know. Um, but we spend a fair deal marketing, and that's if we For hit sure. the guarantees. The thing is to get people to come to the property once. That's the expense. The bet is that when they come here, they'll like it. There's a few things to like. If you like sports and you like, to like the pool, the mid legacy, berries, the 80s. Um, so that, that's the bet, right? We're spending the money to get people to come here and hopefully they fall in love with it and they want to come back again. So that, that's the whole play. I've fallen in love with this place. I I came here before I was you know taught and you even knew about Circa. We were walking down on Fremont Street a few years ago. I'm like, hey, my wife's like, oh, well, let's stumble into here. And we walked into Circa, blown away. Uh, I was as soon as I stepped in, I, I knew that this was the place for me. Did your wife love it too? She did. Yeah, yeah. so That's... much that she made sure that she came along. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. Big Twelve this year. Is it just Texas? Uh, I hope not. No. Uh, did you hear the comments of uh, Brett Yormark, the commissioner? He, I did he's, not. He told uh, he told McGuire, the head coach of Texas Tech, "Hey, I hope you guys beat the Longhorns like y'all did last Thanksgiving." So there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in Austin and, and from Longhorn fans that think they're back that the Big Twelve is out to get them. They oh. think that the Big Twelve is out to get them in their final year. So well, why would they be? Well, well, but I mean, do they feel that? Some sort of, I mean, it's everybody against Texas anyhow. And now you're leaving. <laughs> you think you're good enough. You take your network, you know, and, and you want to go to the SEC. So, I don't know. That that guy seems to be a pretty good coach. What do you the think about Tech, I'm talking yeah, about. The kid that, the, the high school legend, right? Yeah. He, he seemed to be a pretty darn good coach. <laughs> I've, I've seen some people call Texas Tech a dark horse to be a, a team in the college football semifinals, oh. which might be a little early for McGuire. Get a nice tech, price. Get a nice price on that. Who, I mean, what are some plays that you like in college football? Well, the national championship market is almost impossible to bet just because it's so top-heavy. Um, I like Air Force to make the Mountain West championship. Have you seen the Air Force schedule? No, I mean, no. They will be favored in every game till they go to Boise the last game of the year, and probably they have to go to Boise the next week because there's no divisions anymore, which I don't like. I don't yeah. like I don't like the Big Twelve. Not I never liked it. I like having two divisions. I think from a betting perspective, 
it's easier to handicap. Like, I'm from Iowa, but I love the Big Ten West because it's like three or four teams always competing. You know, they're not going to beat Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State on that side. Or, and I UCLA and USC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange. I hope that we get some uh, conference, Big Ten conference tournaments out here, and I think we will. I think we'll get the football on a rotational basis, oh, I hope especially football. Because the travel is right before basketball, that's a lot of travel to ship everybody all the way to Las Vegas. Yeah. But I think they put the football on like a three-year rotational basis oh, out yeah. here at Allegiant. Why wouldn't they? Right? And, and right? Why wouldn't they? Indianapolis, Las Vegas. Yeah, Indianapolis, exactly. Las Vegas. Indianapolis is terrible. <laughs> People in Indianapolis don't even want to be No, they want to get out. It's cold. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like I like that call there with the uh, Air Force. I hadn't realized that. You know, I wonder if divisions might come back in college football now that they've expanded the playoffs. You might have four divisions in a conference. I mean, I mean, you're going to have eighteen and stuff, teams, yeah. and yeah, you might have pods in it. I uh, yeah, who it's knows? Wild what's happened to college football. And now it's, you know the politicking that you're politicking in Chapel Hill to see if California schools are going to be in the AC. I mean, it's just Cal, absolutely ridiculous. And is not going to take a dime for, what, the first five years? They're just, hey, let us be in the league, and we'll just be happy about it. We I missed money. the Southwest Conference. Me too. That was some damn good Me football. Too. That was the best. <laughs> yep. Mike, thanks so much for having us good out. You Enjoy guys. the conversation. Hope Thank to uh, catch up again here very shortly. Bar Canada. You'll be at Bar Canada uh, yes, tonight? Yeah. Absolutely. Don't threaten Thank me with you. a good time. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mike Palm, VP of Operations for the D, Golden Gate, and Circa. Uh, head over to Twitter, Mike Palm, Circa. And, of course, the two contests right now, Circa Million, Circa Survivor. Get out here to Circa before the start of the NFL season and look to win millions. All right, what do we make of the Dusty Yiner comments from before the oh game boy. yesterday? Should we be thanking Dusty Baker? And he made, a, he made a quarterback comparison with Maldi, with Yiner. What's the quarterback comparison you would make with Maldonado and with Yiner Diaz? It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from Circa in Las Vegas on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You know that stupid, overused phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Well, this proves that it doesn't stay there because you're listening to what's happening. Good point. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at the Circa Resort and Casino, here are the killer bees nuts, Jeremy Branham and Paul Gallant. Yeah, but Paul and I have to break up whenever we come back. Aggie Matt says, I feel like Branham is nervous around Paul. Lots of nervous laughter. I know that you're not used to me laughing, but I think Paul's funny. Thank you. I think you just think Paul's funny. Did you know that my last boss in Seattle once pulled me in in a meeting and he said, Paul, you're not funny. Stop trying to be funny. And I wanted to blow my brains out in that moment because here was this person telling me that. And I'm like, well, damn. I guess I got to start talking about the statistics. So what did he – he didn't want you to be funny? He didn't want you to have personality? Or? He thought I would. I was better when I'm smart. And, and here's the thing. Well, you know this, Jeremy. Well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows I'm stupid. You and so, me both. Yeah, I mean, I just move away from the numbers and stick to just shooting <laughs> from my hip. <laughs> oh, man. We're at, uh, we're at Circa. It's the ultimate contest weekend. Uh, we just talked to Mike Palm. Two contests going on. Circa Million, lots of money. Circa Survivor, at least $8 million if you're the lone survivor. Joe George is busting out his ticket. He entered the Circa Survivor a little bit earlier. Uh, what do we make of the Dusty Yiner comments that Dusty had yesterday for the game? Let's, let's read these comments. I love it's, them. It's a doozy. Let's go long form. <laughs> Dusty talking about Yiner. He's the catcher of the future, but there's a few things that take time to learn. While you're trying to win ball games, and as bad as what got him the big leagues, really, because in one year he went from double A AA to triple A to the big leagues, and how much did you have to learn your skill? 
The last time a team won the pennant with a rookie catcher was Buster Posey, but Buster was a Johnny Bench player of the year, a college player. It's a totally different scenario and a totally different pathway. Everybody wants him to play every day, but it's tough. It's much like a young quarterback. How many young quarterbacks come in and take over right away? The way we've handled it, the way I've handled it, he'll thank me, the city will thank me, and the organization (laughs) will thank me. In what ways are you, listener, 713-780-ESPN, in what ways are you thanking Dusty Baker? Well, Jeremy, I'm thanking him because I just love when Dusty Baker makes everyone mad. I'm firmly Team Dusty, you know. And I know dusty the bench. Trusty. The bench has their the coin has spoken. I just like that all of these people <laughs> that no offense like need something to do with their time. Yeah. Get so mad every single day about a lot of decisions that Dusty Baker makes. The postseason decisions I am willing to get frustrated about. I thought he did a good job last year's postseason. The regular seasons I'm not going to stress over every day. That said, <laughs> this is this is becoming his Waterloo. This is <laughs> this is a very funny just attempt to continue to tell people. No, I know what I'm doing here when it comes to not having Yiner Diaz out there in any way possible every single night. I, I think that Jeremy, you're onto something with the idea of him playing the majority of time at first base. Because, as you mentioned, when Brian McTaggart was like, well, he's a catcher, you said, yeah. well, so was Craig Biggio once. I thought that was a great comeback. Like, I- I'm all for exploring that. I-, I-, I do wonder what it is that Yiner Diaz truly needs to know when we know that defensively he is better than Maldonado this year, when we know that as a hitter he is statistically better. Like, the data is there for both of those categories. How much longer are we going to start pre- keep preaching intangibles? Well, I think with Dusty's quote yesterday for the rest of 2023, I think it's very evident and clear with what Dusty said yesterday that Martin Maldonado is his primary catcher. Can, will Yiner get a J.P. France start? Yeah. Will Yiner get a Hunter Brown start? Yeah. Will he in the postseason? I'm unsure. Will Yiner ever get a J.V. Fromber or Javier start? Even maybe even Arquiti? No, he's not. Like that, that Dusty quote yesterday made it very, very clear that Martin Maldonado is his catcher. And that's it. That's just the way it's going to be the rest of the season. Martin Maldonado is the primary catcher for the team. And, like, what you said about Dusty's regular season, I'm actually mostly there with you. Like, I've been on Dusty's side pretty much the entire year. Slowly I'm starting to move over towards the other side. Because you're right, it's 162 games. Now, I will – critique some questionable decisions that he makes i don't i'm not really a huge batting order guy i think batting orders are incredibly overrated at the end of the day but whenever you're playing Corey jolks more than you're playing Chaz mccormick for a 35 day stretch that deserves criticism even jake myers like if you're if Corey jokes is playing more than jake myers over a 40 game stretch that deserves criticism if jose abreu and martin maldonado are getting x amount of plate appearances and that's equal to yiner diaz that is a problem jordan alvarez not pinch hitting yesterday and then playing 13 hours later and still in the lineup in an 11 nothing game is something that deserves criticism and questioning at least Dr. Dusty, (laughs) Barber Surgeon Dusty isn't using injuries as a reason with this one like he was with Chaz McCormick a couple of weeks ago. But 
Yeah. So I'm at the point now, Jeremy, where I've accepted where I am, and, and I'm just living for Dusty to make metaphors like he did with the quarterback or to just continue to bring up random colloquialisms <laughs> like many hands make light work, Jeremy, when it comes to – so that's why we have Martin Maldonado and, and Yander Diaz. It's light work. Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, like that's why it, when you don't have Yonder Diaz in there every single night, you appreciate him more when he's out there. Yeah. Look, okay. <laughs> like, I'll concede that stuff. Like, I'm, be, I'm serious. Like, I've conceded the Martin Maldonado stuff. Like, the hidden intangibles, because you, you talked about, like, the metrics that you can actually quantify. Yonder has them beat across the board. Like, across the board in every single thing. I concede the hidden intangibles. I really do. Like, uh, you can sell me on. The pitchers like him, and that's really it. If Justin Verlander is telling Dusty, like, is this happening? We don't really know. But if Justin Verlander is going into Dusty's office and says, I want to throw to Martin Maldonado, okay, JV, you're JV. You're, you can have Martin Maldonado. If Fromber, now when Fromber stinks, I don't really care as much about his opinion. But when Fromber Valdez is a top three favorite to win the American League Cy Young and Fromber is knocking on your door saying, I want to throw to Martin Maldonado, okay, Fromber will appeal. You just like you can wear those blue uniforms every time you pitch, you can pitch to Martin Maldonado. It's all the other stuff. Like, okay, JV and, and Fromber are out of the game by the seventh inning, and you're down by two runs, but you're still batting Martin Maldonado when you have Yiner on the bench. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Jose Abreu's been awful this year, and he doesn't want to play Yiner at first base because of the intricacies of the position. Like, it's just, it, I was surprised with these dusty quotes, Paul. Like, Dusty's usually not arrogant. He's well, really not. And whenever he's saying that he's going to thank me, the organization's going to thank me, and the city's going to thank me, I was stunned. I, I thought it was fake. Well, I thought it was a fake Brian McTaggart account. Uh, Jer- Jeremy, I really let me, did. Let me tell you something. You know, <laughs> uh, too many cooks, it just spoils the gravy. <laughs> I can you see know? him saying too that. Many, too many cooks trying to cook with this lineup. I, I'm the one making the gravy right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. You know? You just can't. I have no idea what a salzier uh, is. I'm, I'm Do you know what a salzier is? I, I'm guessing it's a pig. Uh, I'm, I'm literally reading from a list from southernliving.com yeah. of southern that. grandma sayings. I noticed that. I didn't want to throw you under the bus that you were <laughs> southern living was one of your bookmarks. You know, a, a trouble shared, like Martin Maldonado <laughs> and Yiner Diaz both catching, is a trouble halved. I saw some I saw some today whenever he pulled J.P. France. Like, it looked right off of that southern living website that you're looking at. You get recipes on that thing, too? I, I guess so. You can make some sweet tea. You can drop some good sweet tea on a little southern living, mm. I bet. You know, yeah, Southern living. Like, I, I love you a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. <laughs> I what like the hell that is that? That's not sexual. I like that line. It, <laughs> if it had been a snake, it would have been you. Uh, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Okay, I'm running out. Yeah. The, 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 like, it's just hard. <laughs> it's just hard to do it. But you, you brought up something great, I thought, in our show prep about comparing this situation to Houston quarterback well, situation. Well, I was thinking quarterbacks in general because it's funny. He says that it's much like a young, a young quarterback. How many young quarterbacks come in and take over right away? Oh, I don't know. Every single one of them? Like, <laughs> uh, like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, like every single like – Anthony Richardson, rookie starters last year. Or like, there wasn't many last year. Uh, but first-round rookie quarterbacks come over and take, up, take over right away. So it's like the analogy doesn't even make a whole lot of sense. But, yeah. If Martin Maldonado is your veteran quarterback and Yiner Diaz is your young up-and-coming quarterback, 
what comps do you have? The one that I thought of was actually the Oiler comparison was Chris Chris Chandler, the year Chris that Chandler. they drafted Steve McNair, and everybody was clamoring for Steve McNair every chance they could get, but they were rolling out with Chris Chandler. And then somebody tweeted at me the other one with uh, he said that Yiner was Deshaun Watson, which is probably not a comparison that Yiner Diaz loves. And then he said that Savage was Mar- was Maldonado, and that Dusty Baker was Bill O'Brien, which is pretty insulting. Okay, I I, I think I have a better one. I want to hear it. Okay, so. Yiner Diaz is the first half of that Sunday night football game in 2013, Case Keenum against the Indianapolis Colts. Because it's a limited sample size. Keenum throws three touchdown passes. You're like, holy crap, do we have something here? And then the other guy, Martin Maldonado, the vet, the guy who's been there for a while. But you're like, oh, it's starting to deteriorate and deteriorate pretty quickly. That's Matt Schaub. And, look, I'm not saying Dusty's having a stroke out there like Gary Kubiak had in that that game. (laughs) But, I mean, we're talking about with Gary Kubiak in Dusty Baker, a guy that probably is closer to the end of the line with the Astros than we think, right? Could be this year, right? It does feel like that's in the air, and I don't know if that's something that we would see Jim Crane want to execute, for lack of a better term, or or, or Jeff Bagwell. I, I don't really think Dana Brown has a whole lot of say in anything, um, just based off of the actions of this year since he has taken over as the general manager. But I, I do wonder about that. If they don't make it to a World Series, if they don't make it to the ALCS, what is the plan of action from next year to this year? D- does it make sense to go with another manager? I, I don't know because I think a manager's role is very overplayed in baseball. You do make some important decisions, but I don't think that the manager is what's going to keep the Astros from winning a World Series this year, especially when last postseason I thought he did a pretty good job when it came to managing arms and lineups. I think Dusty did a really good job last year. And like a lot of the regular season concerns that we had about Dusty Baker were obsolete once the postseason came around because he he optimized it. Like that's what everybody wants from Dusty every single day is to optimize every single decision. And Dusty's not really a believer in optimizing over 162. He believes in days off. He believes in taking care of players. He believes in all the old school things that a lot of people now don't really care for a whole lot. But then once it got to the playoffs last year, he was fine. That's why I'm in a good spot with Dusty. Like Dusty managed the playoffs last year really, really well. Did he do questionable things in the regular season? Yeah, but they cruised to an American League West title. Who really cares? Like, who cares if you won the division by 12 as opposed to 15? Like, you won the division, you cruised, and then you went on to win the World Series. So, Dusty, like, I've been good with Dusty with that. The problem is, what if Dusty doesn't make the playoffs this year? Like, optim- like not worrying about optimizing in the regular season is fine when you're cruising to win a division. Whenever you're trailing a team by a game in the American League West and you're very much in a dogfight to make the playoffs – you probably need to make, be making the best decision every single time. And Dusty's not really somebody who makes the best decision every single time over the course of 162. And with 34 games left to play, everybody wants the time to be now and have a sense of urgency. It's a fair point, this idea of urgency. But, and I, I don't want to baseball explain to anybody because, as I said earlier in this segment, I'm an idiot. But... Um, when we look at the rest of the way for the Astros, I got a text today from some of the people that I'm on that group chat with in Seattle, of people I used to work with at the station, and they're talking trash because the Astros were losing 11 to nothing to the Red Sox. <laughs> they're asking me, are you a Red Sox fan now, Paul? And I was like, oh, funny. But in my mind. say yes? No, I'm not. I'm done with them. But you were once a Red Sox fan. RIP as of 2011. 
Although I came back for 2013 because we got bombed. So that was really it. Uh, when you look at the rest of the schedule for the Astros, yeah, compared to the rest of the way for the Mariners, it gets really tough for Seattle. And I know that like they've got a cupcake buffet for the next 10 games or so. But when they were texting me and talking trash, in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know what? I could just say, like, hey, you guys haven't been through the marathon before. I get this idea of urgency. Uh But I don't think it's really as urgent as people are making it out to be right now. It's more a matter of embarrassment if the Mariners overtake you. And it's temporary embarrassment, probably. It's the same thing, I think, with the Rangers and where they're at right now. I I do think that the schedule plays to your favor down the stretch. and. So I, when, I, when, where, when do you want the sins of urgency? Like how? Because I mean, Dusty Dusty talked about that the other day in one of the pregame scrums. It was like everybody wants me to make my move now, and he says whenever you've managed as long as I have, paraphrasing that you wait to make the move at the proper time. You don't want to make that move too early. So Dusty alluded to what you're talking. You about. have to be in the corner, I think, to get Dusty to do the things that a lot of people want him to do right now, where you're taxing arms maybe longer than you want to, or you're putting guys in the lineup without a day off, the way that he's done. You are in that corner like the last 10 games of the year if you're not in a position where you want to be. But even then... Uh, that but, 10 games is, uh, is nothing in baseball, though. It's I mean, nothing. 10, if, you're, if you're trailing by three games or 10 to play, I mean, you don't control your own destiny there. That's totally true. But I feel like at this moment in time right now, you're not looking at what the 10 games down the stretch for Seattle are, where that's playoffs, seven games against the Rangers, three games against the Astros to wrap up the season. And I think right but if, now, but if it's three games and they go three and seven in the last ten, you got to go seven and three to pass them. Like that—that's that's daunting. Three and ten's a lot. I, I I don't disagree. But if you take again, just take a look at Seattle's schedule around the corner. I mean, just after the Astros play yeah. uh, the Rangers, at the same time, that's when Seattle starts playing teams like Cincinnati, the Dodgers. Their the, last tens, like the six with the Rangers, or yeah. seven with the Rangers, three with the Astros, something like that. I I don't. I don't think that this urgency that we want to see last night where you're putting in Ryan Presley, for example. I think that was the example for last night's game. Hey, you're going to use Ryan Presley for the uh, extra inning and tax him a little bit. But what about Jordan to pinch hit with a jammed finger and can play 13 hours later? Because I'm with you on Presley. Like, I, I, I don't think you should have your foot all the way on the gas. Like, it shouldn't be pedal to the metal. Like, you're not going to be doing things that are reckless and stupid right now. But Jordan Alvarez has a jammed finger that they're saying is minor. He can be in the lineup 13 hours later but can't pinch hit him for Jake Myers in the 10th. And, so, like, where's the level of sense of urgency? Because I'm, I'm, I'm with you partly. And on Sunday, you point to putting Kyle Tucker in for three when, innings. but right. not the, Exactly. So, so like, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. Right. And, and obviously, he's not, like, holding himself to this code where it's one thing or another. Like, it has, I think the bench, that joke of, like, the coin has spoken. Like, it does feel like that <laughs> at some times. I, I think it's perfect. But I... I, I think with Alvarez in particular, I, I'm so nervous all the time that he's going to get hurt. I mean, now he's he's effing closing a door on his hand. How do you do that? How do you do it on your left hand? That's what I want to know. It doesn't make any sense to close it on your left hand. He's left-handed. Does that matter? I don't 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 <laughs> all door handles like essentially work so that like they're geared towards? I don't think there's specific yeah, yeah. doors for lefties. Yeah, it's like baseball. It's geared to righties. You have a righty yeah. bias. You know what's weird about the Jordan thing though is that he won't use him to pinch in in the tenth inning in a critical game, but starts him 13 hours later, and he's still in the game, having a plate appearance, down by 10 runs. Yep. 
It makes no sense. That's, <laughs> it makes no sense. See, that's where we get into the, like, okay, like, does he, like, kind of. He makes questionable things. He's like, what are you doing here? But, what are but you doing? I, I, I'm not going to lie. I really love it when he rubs it in the nerd's face. Because yeah. I, I, even if he's wrong, I just, I just there's get some, a there's kick some entertainment out of it. there. You'll thank he, me. I've never heard anything like Dusty though. He says you'll the thank city me for this. will thank me. It's a great wow. line. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What are you thanking Dusty for? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. So Michael Brantley is not headed to Detroit. He tells Dusty he needs more time. How much time? What are the chances Brantley makes it back at all? And if he does, how are you using him? It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from Circa in Vegas on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Take his pork chop. I don't want his pork chop. I want his life. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at the Circa Resort and Casino. Here are your hosts, Jeremy Branham and Paul Gallant. Paul Gallant filling in for uh, for Blankers. I'm still Branham. We're, we're at the Circa in Vegas Ultimate Contest Weekend. Beautiful spot here in uh, Vegas. Rolled out the limo for us. Beautiful rooms. Beautiful sports book. Made a couple of bets today that I don't really want to talk about yet. I might have made a list. We have Bad Take Boulevard on Thursdays. Paul, I'm, I might have made the list already. How does gambling on sports work? You just you know you pick a winner and then no, you give them a little bit of money and then they pay you out. If at you're a certain married, rate. if you're married <laughs> with a child, and I, I mean because I know Joe George and you, Jeremy Branham, you yes. are married with at least one with child. child. <laughs> yes. So. How does this work? Because, like, you're taking money away from your children's future. Well, you bet responsibly, Paul. Yeah, I got a budget. Oh, yeah. okay. I got, I got a budget. I, I was we giving, don't uh, fly I was by cash. the seat of our pants. Do you have to ask the wifey for that budget? Well, I'm a producer, so yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't um, – I spin very wisely. I think in my that's life. what every gambler I practice, says. No, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't gamble. <laughs> Dude, time out. Do you know? Have you heard about his daily, his uh, his not, best yeah, ball? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. How many best ball leagues are you in, Jeremy? I mean, I'm, I'm tracking this FedEx uh, Cup right now because I got a little bit of Max Homa and Victor Hovland that I'm trying to sweat. How many best ball? What, what was the question? How many Joe? best ball leagues are you in? <sighs> that's a that's a loaded question. It's probably north of 400. Probably north of 400. Wait. How, wait, yeah, what? Probably north of 400. How do you keep tabs on that? It's, it's zero roster management. It's, it's, like, it's an easy bake-up. Yeah. You, you, it's a best ball. You draft. Usually, it depends on the side, but 18 to 20-round drafts. You have 18, 20 players. As soon as you're done drafting, that league is complete. 400 leagues. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it takes, it takes 45 minutes to draft one of them. So you draft, I, mean, I draft two a day or so, sometimes more. There's there's 365 days in a year, and you're yeah. you're averaging over I mean, a draft than, a day. Paul, there's more than one. That's 18,000 minutes, There's Jeremy. more than one sport, Paul. There's You got football. You got baseball. I, I, I I've, been, I've, I've actually made a pretty good chunk of change on golf. Okay. I feel year. like I feel it's, like all of golf this. Golf ball. I did really well in the majors. All of this could theoretically be used as evidence against you sometimes. In what way? I'm, listen, I'm I'm just saying, you know, you bring up all these uh, bad gambling habits, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If the wife is where's, looking for something someday, oh, she's, she's going to well pull from the podcast, and she's going to be like, hey, remember all this money well, you that you I spent on best ball? I'll, I'll pull the, uh, the plus minuses, see that I'm in the black, and it'll all be okay. 
I don't consider it a, a habit. Except I don't for your bad bets today. I, the, ba- the bets today were not great. <laughs> uh, but, I, <laughs> but I'm chasing. You're chasing? I'm chasing. Okay. I think I got a shot. Okay. I, I think I got a shot. You know, a lot of people who end up chasing in Vegas, uh, they end up in that river that's drying up, right? Uh, the lake, you know? I'm talking about the real like, D-Gen gamblers. Well, you're talking about they're, they're ending up in the desert and their bodies are never going to yeah, be Yeah, they get put in the barrel. Now, all of a sudden, the barrels are washing ashore because yeah. the, the, the lake is drying up a little bit. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to worry about that. Okay, so you're not like Adam Sandler in the movie um, the uh, Akat Jazz. You're not you're not Adam Sandler in that. That's what cool. in what? Have you never seen Akat Jazz? I think Adam Sandler, aside from Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, is incredibly overrated. Wow. Well, I think you would actually Time be just surprised by that movie. Which movie? Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. It's it's actually very good and. I'm with you in Sadler with Adam Sandler in a way. Like Adam Sandler is like, well, every movie I make is just a cash yeah, like cow and a Nikki, chance for me to go on vacation. Grown-ups, like very mediocre. Yeah, but which two did you say? Happy Gilmore and uh, Billy Madison. You Those like, are the best two. You don't like Waterboy? Eh, Waterboy's solid. Waterboy's solid. You don't like Big Daddy? No, not really. You don't like the I, I liked his long. Big Daddy star. was good. I'm in the minority. Like I mean, they're all they're all kind of the same movie. They have like a very silly premise. All of his weird noises and acts odd, and we laugh. A lot of his voices sound the same. Yeah, and I've been told that a lot of the voices I try sound like a bad Adam Sandler trying to do impersonation. I don't see that. You're a little bit more high pitched. Thank you. I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a compliment. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It's definitely more high-pitched. Uh, Fishing with Dana says, uh, J-Bo, we don't, talk ba- we don't uh, take baseball seriously when we were with Paulie G. Yeah, that's fine. How the best you- part is that I end up being right a lot on baseball, and I, and I know that I know what I don't know. <laughs> the quote one Barry Warner. Michael Brantley went into Dusty's office, I guess it was today, earlier today, and he said he's not quite ready because there were was, there was some rumors out there that Brantley was going to play back-to-back games, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sugar Land, which he did. Comes out of it okay. He's going to be on the, uh, the, the jet out of Houston, head to Detroit, be activated. We see Michael Brantley for the first time in an Astros uniform in 2023. He went to the skipper's office today and said he's not quite ready. We're not, obviously, in Michael Brantley's body, so we do not know what ailments or what perhaps psychological hurdles he's trying to get over. But after all this time, he still doesn't feel ready. That's pretty ominous, man. It's pretty ominous. And and I've brought this up before. I do think that Brantley coming back, especially for all the people that get frustrated with Dusty Baker's lineup every night, (laughs) it does complicate things because it's another mouth to feed, if you will. Are you going to put Michael Brantley in cold hasn't played in over a year at the expense of jazz mccormick are you going to maybe create some issues for yourself with this lineup because I mean, you have a, extra depth there's an easy way to do it i mean brantley plays left field dh jordan plays left field dh chaz plays center yiner plays catcher but when has first. it been that cut and dry right. that's the thing is it's not it's not cut and dry and you know it's not going to be because there's an easy way to do it but you know the easy way to do yeah. it ain't going to happen. That's not happening. That's what I mean. It, it almost makes it more difficult if he comes back. But if if he's feeling like he needs a couple more days, I, I'm wondering what is it over the next couple of days that he's going to be able to say to himself, oh, 
now I'm good to go. Yeah. I wonder if he's just not seeing it as well as he would like. If he feels like, you know, hey, that I'm still not seeing it quite the way that I want to see it. Maybe he just doesn't want to go to, to, to Detroit, which who can blame him. <laughs> now, I actually, like, this isn't good news. I'm not going to sit here and try to spin it like no. it's great, like wonderful. Don't worry about this at all. I, I will say this, though, in defense of, of Michael Brantley. I like that he's very honest and transparent with Dusty Baker. Like I like that he's like he's he's instead of going into Dusty, like hey, I'm ready, I'm back, and then all of a sudden he comes back and he either a reaggravates it or b goes o for thirty. Like I kind of like the fact that he's being honest with the organization, be like, hey, I, I need three more days. Hey, let me tell you how I feel in five more days. I, I do think that that's encouraging because if he comes back and he's not quite one hundred percent, or maybe maybe it's just as simply he is one hundred percent, but he's not seeing it as well as he would like just yet. He thinks he can be finely tuned a little bit more. And all of a sudden, he comes back and he has this terrible slump to start, you know, his 2023 campaign. The Astros are in a playoff race. Maybe it's not the best thing that he's playing every, you know, getting four at bats every other day just yet. I actually think it's pretty professional, and I tip my cap to Brantley being very honest with the organization. That is fair. I'm still looking at it from the perspective of if he returns, it could complicate things. Yeah, and you're the, probably right. And and the fact that, as you said, like okay, it's definitely professional what he's doing. But it just doesn't make you feel good about him coming back. And it's yet another L when it comes to Astros 2023 moves. It's just been disaster after disaster. I mean, you want to throw Kendall Graveman in there now, too? I mean, as far as things that haven't worked out thus far? I mean, that one depends on Corey Lee a little bit. If Corey Lee stinks, then okay, whatever. But, I mean, if Corey Lee's top 15 catcher, you look back on that trade like, oh. Another thing in 2023 that didn't go your way. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Paul in for Blankers. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Circa in Las Vegas. Coming up next, Texans at 4. 12 shows until the Texans kick off their regular season. Get to some of the top storylines entering the regular season with the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.